1 Corinthians 12. And as I mentioned earlier, we are uh, continuing this quasi-series called uh, Deconstructing the Church. And, um, and like I said before, um, we're not trying to reinvent anything. We're not trying to change anything. If, if the direction we're going is novel, like in other words, it's never been done in 2,000 years of church history, then I, I'd be the first to say, uh, this might be bad. <laughs> um, God is unchanging, and he's promised that he's building his church. His truth is true in the past and today and into the future, cross-culturally and in every circumstance. Um, and, and so, like I said before, what we want to do is make sure that we're really getting after what God has commanded us to get after as a church. Not just going through motions that culturally we're expected to do. And so 1 Corinthians 12, I think, gives a lot of incredible truths about body and community kinds of life. And so we're going to be looking at that. And just before I jump into it, just want to remind you from last week, because if you weren't here, you know, we talked about the idea that the form of our church is changing, but the mission is not. The mission remains the same, which is to make disciples. Jesus commanded the, the church, that's the mission of the church, is to make disciples. So we're going to continue that. That's not changed at all. Just the form and the way that it looks is going to be different as we go along. So let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, <clears throat> and I'm going to read the first 11 verses. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts brothers... Do not, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he wants us to understand them. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit." To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the first point I want to put up in here that that I think we can glean from this is that every part matters. (coughs) Excuse me. I feel like verse 7, look at verse 7. I think verse 7 is like the crux here of these first 11 verses, kind of the key verse. Let me read it again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There's three, I think, main key ideas there. First, each is given, then manifestations of the Spirit, and then common good. And so each is given, therefore every part matters. That there, There is not a Christian 
a part of the body of Christ that's useless, that's, you know, kind of extra. Like, wow, it's awesome to have you, but if we didn't have you, we'd be okay because we already have one of those. You know, it, that's, that doesn't exist into this. Each one is given. Everyone has a part. Each one in this room, because of the Holy Spirit and what he has done for you, given to you, has a role. And so that, that's part of the reason why in our thinking that it's like we want to major on this idea of creating opportunities for interaction. Where it's not just me talking to you all, but opportunities for you to interact with one another. The, the other thing that I believe strongly in as well is that if, if your child has received Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in their life, then this is true of them as well. And there is opportunities for them to minister and to work within the body as well. There's, there's not a, you see no, in this text, any type of conditions about knowledge or experience or seniority, you know, any of those kinds of things. It's just every part, God gave it. And that's, what, that's the second part, is that it's all empowered by, the God, by God. You see that it says there, manifestation of the Spirit. Manifestation is, is, is a big word for, like, God showed up in a special way. You know, we, we believe as, as good uh, Orthodox theologians that God is omnipresent. There's no place that you can go where God's presence isn't there. But manifestation is where he actually sh- shows himself, right? So you can be in a, in a dark cave and God's present there. But you see, no, there's no evidence of him at all. We just know in faith that he's present. But if he were to start speaking, if he would start acting in some way, if he were to start moving in some way, it's like he just manifested his presence. You know what I mean? Uh, Brian talked about uh, Israel being led out of Egypt. They were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's a manifestation of God in his presence. And so to everyone it was given a manifestation of the Spirit. So in other words, this gift that God's given you, whatever it might be, when it's used in your life to other people, it is God showing up. It is God working. When, when somebody looks in at it, you know, they might not recognize it at first, but they would see that that's God working. So the, this is different than just you know, the gifts that you have or the talents that you have, although those are gifts of God and those are good things that we should use. This is a special kind of way that God works through his church towards one another. And then, then third, it says, for the common good. And I've got the heading of all for one and one for all. This, this is a community kind of thing. It's the gift that God's given is not just for you, for you to enjoy, or for you to just sit on, or you to you know, just like, I'll just reserve it just for a couple of people. It's meant for the common good. And, and whatever that might mean, it doesn't necessarily mean everybody in the world, but it's like this is meant to be used for others, for the, for the whole and for the group, for everybody as they go together. Um, and, and, and I think it's important to realize that if we aren't connected relationally, then it's not possible to use that gift for other people. 
You know, if, you don't, if you're not interacting with other people, then it's not possible. Um, it, you know, it, it, and it's, um, you know, just think about all the different ways that we minister to one another. We have to know. We have to, to have that relationship that makes it possible for that connection to be made. So every part matters. It's empowered by God. All for one, one for all. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then I think that just as a, as a final kind of overview of this section, I think it's all unified for God's glory. You just, you just see uh, God in his hand throughout this. And, and as he starts into uh, itemizing some of the different spiritual gifts, he, he keeps repeating, given through the Spirit, given through the Spirit, the same Spirit, same Spirit. This is all of God. And I think verse 3 also highlights this. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever heard, I've seen some atheists on Twitter will say, Jesus is accursed. And it's like, hey, I, I'm, I should be in trouble, right? And, um, or, and, and I think what's clear from this text is that it's not just the words, Jesus is holy. What he's saying is, you can't say this and mean it without the power of God. In other words, if, if, if just anybody just says Jesus is Lord, it's just empty words that mean nothing. It's only through the Spirit working that that really is true. Like, I mean it. Jesus is Lord of all parts of my life. That's something that he's saying only happens through the Spirit. And I think that another thing that's super important about that, that's almost, that's almost like a governing rule for this whole thing, and that the Spirit only works to glorify the Son and to further the kingdom. It's not anything else. Right, so that's another thing that's really important to realize is that it's like, it's not like it's just sort of the Spirit that um, is almost like a, you know, a gun that it's just like, I'll just start shooting wherever. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. The Spirit of God does the agenda of God. That's what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God is working to further the kingdom and do what God wants to do, not what we want to do. We don't just get to take the Spirit and just kind of start shooting it around wherever we want. It doesn't work like that. I think he's making that very clear because it's all about God and for his, for his glory. And then it runs through a bunch of spiritual gifts, and we, won't, uh, we don't have time to, to go through the detail of this. Um, just a couple of things that I want to I say in this is, first of all, I think that I've got a definition up on the screen of what I think spiritual gifts are based on this text. It says, the Holy Spirit working through you for the good of others. I think that's just a simple way of saying it. God at work in your life for other people. That's a basic definition of spiritual fruits. Because um, if you study that, that area of spiritual fruits, there's other lists, and this is not an exhaustive list. There's, if you could go to different parts of the Bible and you see other things. And I don't, uh, you know, there's, I don't know if anybody's ever done some of those spiritual gift tests. You know, they're almost like um, 
personality test kind of thing. And, um, and I, personally, I kind of go back and forth on those. It's like sometimes I think, yeah, it's maybe a useful tool, not inspired, but maybe it's a tool you can use to help you. And then other times I'm like, well, but is it really just kind of asking more of like my personality kind of, you know, it's like, I mean, honestly, I go back and forth on that. Um, I, th- I really think the bottom line in this is that um, God is behind it. So, so we can't treat spiritual gifts kind of like this, this um, you know, like there's a general store of God, and you go into the general store and you pick out the spiritual gift that you want. It's like, ah, this is a cool one. I'll take this one with me. It's like, no, he, he gives it. He gets to choose what it is. And, and for those reasons, I, I, I think that it's really, when we're talking about what's our role, I think our role is walking in the Spirit, following God, and being a part of community so that he can work through our lives. We don't have to worry as much about, uh, okay, what exactly am I supposed to do and how do I figure this out? I've got to understand that. Not that there isn't value in that, but I think ultimately this is God's, that's God's, mostly that's God's world. I don't have to worry about that. I just need to follow him, be in relationship, and then let him work. And he's going to work through me some way. So we could talk more about that as we go along, but that's kind of the way that, that, that I would describe that. Um, and then I think another thing, too, that you could add on to this is just, it's like when, when God does it and he works through your life, it's like people will say, they'll say, you know, God really moved through you. The, the advice that you gave, you know, the mercy that you showed in that, in that moment, the encouragement that you gave me, the wisdom that you gave me, uh, you know, you really helped me to, to discern, like, some things that I was missing. That's really God. Thank you. That's God working in your life. And so I think as we exercise and we do those kinds of things, we might get a better handle on, on how God's equipped us and what gift he's given us and how to work with other people. Okay, so moving on, let's look at verse, uh, verses uh, 12 through 13. <clears throat> he says, for just as the body is one, he's talking about the human body, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. Your body is one body, but it's made up of a lot of parts, right? For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink with one spirit. So I, I wanted to just now give you a list of things that I think there is no room for. So when we're talking about body life, things there is no room for. First of all, I want to throw up on the screen worldly classification. There is no room for worldly classification. What do I mean by that? So look at it in, um, oh, where are we? Uh, verse 13. There's no Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. You know, in, in, in those days, it was a, pretty big distinction between Jews and Greeks. There was a huge distinction between people that were free and people that were slaves. Culturally, you were in this category, and culturally, you were in that category. And so throughout the, the, the ancient world, as the church was growing, it was like mind-blowing that the servants were in the master's house fellowshipping with one another in this church like they're equals. Like that was blowing all cultural standards and norms out of the water. And, and where does that unity come from? He, t- he tells us. 
It's, there's one spirit. We were baptized through the blood of Jesus Christ in one baptism. So there should be no classifications among us, rich or poor. Um, this, you know, this public policy versus that public policy or this political party versus that political I mean, it's like that's the way the world classifies people. I think we need to think in terms of biblical classifications. How does God classify people? I think, I think it's just as simple as follows Jesus, knows God, doesn't. You remember Jesus said that there's going to be a point where people are going to come to him and say, hey, we said, Lord, Lord, and he, he's going to say, I never knew you. I, I, that's the way God classifies. So we're not going to classify uh, by the way the world classifies. We are one. We're unified. We are, we are one people. And then look at verse 14 through 20. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So there is no room for what I'm going to call worldly sameness. We, we are a God-designed diverse group. And, and the, the, way, the way I always think about worldly sameness, sameness is that, it's, to me, it's like the classic example is the high school with all the cliques, right? So it's like we celebrate the diversity within, within the high school, but if you look closer, you see that everybody is in their cliques of sameness. And if you want to fit into the jocks, you've got to be a jock, you know? And if you want to fit into the whatever, it's like you've got to change who you are, put on the right clothes, talk the right way, so that you fit into that group. It's like homogenize. We're all the same, right, within this, this little group. But what we're seeing from this is like there is a beautiful God-designed diversity of uniqueness in each person, not by group. In each person, the way God's designed you, exactly the way he wants it. And I think it tests us in terms of trusting God in that design. In other words, uh, like he says here about, you know, the ear. It's like, I, I don't fit because I can't see like the eye. And the eye's like, well, I don't hear, I don't, so I don't fit. It's like, well, what good would the body be if it was all one eye or all one ear? That's ridiculous to think about. And I've used this example several times, but I feel like it's such a great example. It's just the, the incredible design of the human heart. You know, it's, 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 it's one of the most amazing pumps that pumps for 85-plus years nonstop. It's, it's as I've read, the, the one muscle in your entire body that never rests by design. And, you know, when the heart rests, <laughs> you, you rest, right? That's the end of you. But it just keeps on pumping, Never stops. And, and I forget the numbers, but the amount of fluid that the heart pumps in your lifetime is phenomenal. It is an incredible machine. But none of us would say 
that it's poorly designed because it's dependent on your digestive system, you know, or, or, or dependent on uh, your nervous system, or dependent on your hands and your feet and your, I mean, all the other parts of your body, right? It's a phenomenal thing that God's designed, and I think each and every one of us are the exact same idea. You know, and, and you know, and think about, um, like, you know, there's different parts of our body, like, like, it's like feet smell, typically, right? It's like because feet have a feet job. And, you know, and it's like, it's like, sorry, guys, that I stink, but, I, you know, i got to be in shoes all day carrying you around. It's just a reality the way it is because that's the job that I've got. You know, but then on the other hand, it's like I, I you know, I think about like with my boys. It's like, dude, sometimes you got to wash them, right? I mean, it's like you got a hard job feet. you got to actually take some soap and, and like, actually scrub them. Like, that has to happen, <laughs> right? And that's something, you know, as parents, we have to actually teach your kids, right? And it's like, that's the nature of the different parts, right? And it's like, I mean, I mean, can you imagine, like, the other parts of your body being like, you know, it's like, why is the eye so sensitive? It's like, you know, like your hands. It's like, you know, I punch stuff all the time. And, and you know, I'm wrestling with my dog, and he chomped down on me. But, you know, said a little thing to the eye and super sensitive. You know, it's like, it's like, this is the way God designed the eye. It's not designed to be tough like the other parts of your body. You know, and it's like, I mean, can you imagine the eye, like, complaining about the ear? It's like, you know, the ears, they never see the danger coming. They have never seen the danger coming. It's like, it's like, you would never say that, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous on its face. But I think those, those are the kinds of relational conflicts that we have because of the diversity of the way that God's designed us. But it's diverse parts unified together as one body working together, right? Each with a role, each with a part, each doing their thing. <clears throat> Verses 21 through 25. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Now, I don't, I mean, he's using an analogy here to talk about how different parts, different roles, some get covered, some are in public, some are private. Those are all diversity kinds of things that are analogous to the body. And how it's like, this is the way God designed it. And when it's functioning the way God designed it, it's healthy. Right? You don't, you don't walk on your hands everywhere. Right? Because that's not the way God designed your body to work. He gave you feet and legs to stand up on, you know, erect and walk. Right? That, that, and that's ridiculous, but it's just a simple, I think, analogy for this. When it's working the way God designed it, it's healthy and it's going the way that he wants it to go. And so then the final point would be that there's no room for valuing some over others. And again, I think that's a matter of trusting God's design. 
It's like, yeah, there's some parts that you might think are the glory parts or the parts that get all the credit, uh, the out front parts or whatever, I don't know, how, how you want to describe it. But there is no room in valuing some over others because God designed it. Ultimately, he's the one that designed that. and He's the one that's over that. <clears throat> and then I love verse 26 because I think that verse 26, and I've got it up on the screen because I think this is a great test for community. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. In other words, if you get hurt because I'm so close to you, I can't help but get hurt. To me, it's like, it's like stubbing your toe in the night, in the dark. It's like you feel the pain through your entire body, right? Because your toe is connected to you, and that hurt. But if, if your toe was disconnected somehow, weirdly, and it got smashed by a hammer, you'd be like, eh, it's like nothing. Felt nothing. Because it's not connected to you. Or when something wonderful happens, it's like, oh my goodness, we've been praying for that for so long, and it, and it happened, it's so joyous, and you're happy, I can't help but be happy. You know, it's like when somebody gives me a great back rub, it's like you feel it through your whole body. It's like, oh, I feel so good. It's like the headache goes away. I mean, it's like your whole body just is like, this is great. I think this is a great test for us. It's like if we are that close together that when you hurt, I hurt. I felt it because I'm so close to you. When, when you feel joy, I feel joy. And it goes together. And then going on, verses 27 through 31, let's finish this up. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And, you know, in, in other parts of Scripture, we find out more specifically that Christ is called the head. Um, Colossians 1.18 says, Jesus is the head of the body. And I think that is incredibly powerful because, you know, the more we've studied and understand about the human body, the nervous system that has its headquarters within your skull runs through your whole body. And that nervous system is firing and, and making all those parts do their job, right? So it's like, like when your hand touches something hot, there is a nervous system response that tells the arm muscles to pull away. Right? That's, that's the body functioning together. Jesus is the head that's sending the signals. You know, say, say this and encourage this person. Um, maybe write a note to this person or ask them how they're doing or, or volunteer for that. Or, you know, he's the one that's directing all those, those actions and those steps as a body. And I think it's an incredibly powerful picture. And, and, and this is another analogy I've used in the past, but I think it's such a good one. I'm going to use it again. Um, we went to a Johnny and Friends uh, camp a number of years ago, and, uh, which is a, a ministry for children with disabilities, where families that have children with disabilities come. And one of the speakers that was there, this lady that um, uh, she had lost use of her legs uh, only, I think, maybe like within 10 years before, something like that. But she had been an adult, became an adult, Married, had kids, and then came down with some kind of crazy virus that basically she lost the use of her legs because of this crazy virus. And she said the way it works is that, um, she said, I, I've got the bone structure, I've got the muscles, all the parts are there because I, I grew up completely healthy being able to use my legs. And she said, but, but there's a link between my brain 
and the muscles in my legs is broken. So when the brain says, okay, quadricep, start working, it's not heard. There's no response. And because, for whatever reason, this virus broke that connection between the brain and, and the, the muscles in her legs. Um, and I think that's, and she said, that's a picture of the church. In that, uh, and she said, one of the things that's a challenge for somebody that's in a wheelchair is that she said, typically, people in wheelchairs later in life have to get shoulder surgery because your shoulders were not designed to carry your body so much. They, they wear out. Your legs are designed to carry your body for a lifetime, but not your shoulders. And so because of all the extra work that the shoulders are having to do, eventually, typically, they'll have to have some kind of uh, shoulder repair. And she said that's, again, another picture of oftentimes what's broken in the church is that there are parts of the body where a signal's coming, move, 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 and it doesn't respond. There's no answer. Like, I don't hear you, God. And then other parts of the body have to step up to do more than maybe they were designed to do. And, and I think that's just such an incredible picture. And I think it's also an incredible picture of, of what we want. We want to see people that are actively engaged in what God has called them to do. In community, in their world, in the places they have. And it's, it's basically, I'm not just a show up on Sunday kind of Christian. I'm a Christian that is obedient to what God wants me to do. He's working in his unique way in your unique life. I didn't design that. I don't figure that out. I'm not the head. I've got my own little part of the body. I'm doing my role. He's the head. But we're a community that's supporting each other and helping each other and serving one another in relationship under the headship of Jesus Christ. To me, that's that's the beautiful picture of what we want to get after, what we want to see happen And let me finish the rest of this text. And it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles and second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. So these are all just different roles that he's describing as a part of the body. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And he's about to start into the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And and to me, we're going to go into that in in the coming weeks, in the coming months. But like, let's not get too hung up on these, you know, the mystery of spiritual gifts. Let's make sure we're mastering the biggest and greatest thing, which is love for one another. And, and, and which I think he, he is painting this picture of, of different parts of the body, doing different functions and interacting together in concert under his headship. And then he's about to lay out, but there's actually something even better than that, which is love. Love for one another. And it's agape kind of love. It's God kind of love. Not love because I like you, love because I think you're cool, but love because I love you kind of love. Self-sacrificing, modeled after God, and that kind of love. That is what we're after. Those kinds of things. So realize that you are uniquely gifted. God has you exactly where he wants you in every way. 
let's, let's follow the head and let's connect to one another and see how he works. We'll see how he works. So let me pray, and then we'll uh, do the communion together. Father, <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you so much for the gift of your spirit in our lives. Lord, and you, um, you are over that in every way. You have designed that. You are sovereign over it. We, you have figured it out. You, you understand the complexities of the world and the complexities of human hearts. And Lord, we don't have to worry about any of those things. We don't have to, um, we don't have to be a, a master over those things at all. God, you're the master. We follow you. You're the one that leads. We follow you. You're the one that figures it out. So we follow you. Lord, help us to do that, Father. Help us to find our place and our role. And Lord, help us to, by faith, trust you in those things. Lord, that you're over it, that you're going to work, and that you're going to be the one that does it, God. And I pray, Father, that, that we would truly connect. And, and like Brian talked about earlier, Lord, that, that this would be um, uh, a journey together, Father, where we are seeking after you and your kingdom, and we're doing it together, again, all for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom and your lordship, in our hearts, in one another's hearts, and in our neighbors' hearts, and co-workers, and family, and everybody that is around us, God. Let us be your instruments for your glory and for, for your purposes. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.